0: AM 1240 KNEM, 97.5 FM, KNMO in Nevada. It's time for Tiger Talk on Double K Country. It's our weekly discussion of Nevada Tiger football with head coach Wes Biesler. Tiger Talk is brought to you by 54 Feed and Seed, 54 Veterinary Clinic, American Family Insurance Agent Jan Tate, Buzz's Barbecue, El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, Emory's Truck Stop, Barry Funeral Home, First National Bank, MyNevadaMode.com, Nevada Auto Mall, Nevada Family Dentistry, Peerless Products, Smith Insurance Agency, Sutherland's Home Base, The Plumbing Shop, and Thorpe's Appliances. Let's now join the voice of the Nevada Tigers, Mike Harbett for Tiger Talk. And a very
1: pleasant good evening everybody. Welcome to Tiger Talk tonight, the Nevada Tiger Talk program here on Double K Catcher, our final one for the fall sports season. I'm Mike Harbit, voice of the Tigers. Appreciate you joining us tonight here tonight on the program. We're going to wrap up the 2000, uh, uh, 20 Nevada Tiger football season, and we'll do that, of course, with head coach Wes Beechler. And also on the program, we'll talk boys swimming tonight. The Nevada Tiger swim team, the only fall sports team that's still in action, at least at Nevada High School. There are some middle school activities going on. But uh, the uh, Tiger Swimmers getting ready for the Class 1 state meet that will be held just outside of St. Louis this Saturday in St. Peter's, Missouri. There have been some changes with that because of COVID-19, from a two-day meet down to a one-day meet. And head coach Clay Wheeler will help explain that a little bit later on in our final interview segment coming up probably in about 45 minutes from now here on the program tonight. We'll come back, though. We'll get things underway and talk at Tiger football for the final time this season with head coach Wesby. What's your name? Wes <laughs> this Time out on uh, Double K Country.
2: Peerless Architectural Windows and Doors builds windows that go from Fort Scott, Kansas to skylines across America. They believe in providing the best products made in America by Americans. Specializing in high-performance aluminum windows and doors for multifamily, office, schools, military, and historic projects, they are engineers pioneering new technologies that drive bold advances in window designs. They are industry leaders offering unrivaled products and capabilities. Peerless is helping America in the race to an energy-efficient nation. Ferry Funeral Home is proud to have served the Nevada and surrounding area since 1925 and continues to be locally owned and family-run. Ferry Funeral Home is also a proud supporter of the area's youth and Nevada High School athletics. When times are hard and you need a kind hand with a familiar face, count on Ferry Funeral Home for the sincerity your family deserves. Ferry Funeral Home, three generations finding a better way to help. 301 South Washington in Nevada. Find them fast in names and numbers.
0: At Nevada Auto Mall, Danny Deals and his crew are already in the holiday spirit, so they're going to run a zero-down payment sale. That's right. You can drive home in a vehicle with zero out-of-pocket with approved credit. Come out and see this beautiful 30th anniversary 14 Chrysler Town & Country Touring L with leather, DVD, and only 58,200 miles. This local one-owner vehicle can be yours for $15,998 or $249 a month with zero down. Deals like this and more are going on at Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deals 4.9% in 75 months worth of proof credit. You're at a place you'd like to write a check, but you know if you do, you'll get grilled. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a job? A social security number? Why go through that? Use your debit
1: card. It's easier and more convenient than writing a check. The First National Bank, member FDIC,
0: and equal housing lender. Now with ATM locations at Murphy's USA next to the Walmart parking lot. Woods Supermarket at 1407 West Austin in Nevada. And the First National
1: Bank on the Nevada Square. And we're back on Tiger Talk tonight. Again, appreciate you joining us tonight. Mike Harbett again with Tiger Head Coach Wes Beechler. Clay, uh, Clay Wheeler, Tiger Swim Coach, on the program a little bit later on tonight. Again, the final one for the fall sports season. Our next program will be on Wednesday, December the 2nd for the uh, winter sports season, talking Nevada Tiger and Lady Tiger basketball along with the Nevada Tiger wrestling. But right now it's time to talk football. Coach, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you? Good. I was actually wondering uh before you got here, um, just, you know, trying to think about what we were going to talk about tonight, but I was, I was curious. Does, does it take you a while to come down off the, off the high of the football season?
3: Well, sa- Saturday was a pretty rough day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, it's, you get used to having kids around and especially, you know, this is year four of my second tenure. And so this is the class that was freshman, mm-hmm. the seniors this year. Was, I was freshman when I came back and you develop pretty strong bond with those kids and it's just odd. You know, I woke up on Saturday morning and don't have any film or anywhere to go. And, uh, so I texted him pretty early. I think it was around 830 and a couple of them responded and Kate and Denny responded and said that he, uh, his eternal clock went off and he thought he was late for film. He just about shot out of bed because he, he thought I'm late for film. So it, it, it just, it's tough not seeing, you know, just knowing that I won't coach that senior group again in a football capacity was pretty tough. And, uh, so you, you always miss those kids and those relationships and, uh, Coaching the, the the groups that you've had for four all four years. Sure, you I'm sure you get a different attachment with each class that goes through, don't you? Yeah, I think you know. um I felt like in in 2017 that group really bought in quick. You know, Zach Gardner, Hunter Mason, um Braden Hinton, all that crew. You know. Uh, Alex and they just, they just bought in really quick. Um, but I think that it's, it's always a little bit special when you have a group that you've coached for four years. This is the first group that I've coached for all four years. They, they have not known other football staff besides Mm -hmm. the one we've had for the last four years. And so that's a, that's a pretty special bond with that group of kids. Plus. Having a, a son in that class makes it a little more, just, those kids are around more. You know, it's not, it's not uncommon to see some of those young men at our house just hanging out with Dylan on a Saturday mm-hmm. night. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a little different, but, uh, we sure will miss them both, uh, for what they did with the program and, and how they, uh, helped, uh, influence the younger kids on how to practice and how to play each and every game. And then also their, their football ability. There's, there's a lot of young men that can play some pretty good football in that class and, and they'll be hard to replace.
1: Let's go ahead and jump through the the highlights, and we'll talk about the the uh, the game itself as well as the season a little bit later on, and of course look ahead to the future of Nevada Tiger football. Uh, certainly, Nevada, as you all are well aware, Nevada fell behind early as uh, down 28 to nothing uh, just into the, the second quarter of play. Eventually, trailed 34 nothing. Uh, after the, uh, in the early stage of the third quarter of play, first of all, you're, you're down 28 nothing uh, going to the locker room at halftime, but a lot of, obviously a lot of the damage was inflicted in the first quarter. And then after that, their final, their fourth touchdown, the game seemed to settle down and you kind of got your footing a little bit. Did you kind of see? Uh, starstruck may be the wrong word, but were there, did you, just, did you notice anything early in that game that uh, maybe they're a little uptight or whatever, uh, playing the number one ranked team in the state?
3: Yeah, I think like you said, Mike, I think starstruck would be a little bit of a stretch, but we definitely didn't play the way we had all year. We, did, we didn't come out playing like we typically do. The only other time I saw a little bit of that was Castville. I, I feel like we could have won every game we played, but I thought the Castle game, we were a little flat or a little, a little off for some reason and I think, obviously, if we'd have been on, we're still probably going to lose to that team. Uh, really good football team. If we're if we're on 100% and they stub their toe a few times, it might be interesting in the fourth quarter. But really talented team um but i you know wasn't very happy at halftime and not that we were down but just I, I just didn't feel like we were playing nevada football and i think like you said after they got settled down they pulled some starters late in the third and for most of the fourth particularly on defense but i really thought that we moved the ball well on you know we had the drive when it was 21 nothing mm-hmm. i think and we drove down had the one negative play and couldn't get our footing back under get our footing back under us but um i thought after at the end of the first quarter, if we had, wouldn't had such a deficit, it might have been more interesting game. I just kind of surprised with how flat. Flat's a bad word. We just didn't play Nevada football right. to start the game.
1: And they certainly were a reason. Part of the reason for that, certainly. I mean, they're number one in the state for a reason. But one thing they did early as well is they came out five on five. Uh, five defensive linemen. I can't recall a time we had seen that. Uh, during the during the uh, during the regular season or against
3: Harrisonville, they went helmet on helmet. Did that
1: surprise you at all?
3: No, not really. I watched a lot of film with them, and, and when we went to our heavy set, which is our unbalanced set, um, we knew they were in the exact defense that we saw on film. So it didn't really surprise us. But I think there was just some, some they had some young men on the D line that were tough for us to deal with. Number seventy is the real deal. We awesome. saw him on film. Uh, I talked to Scott Scott Bailey, of course, at Jeff City played them. Uh, I think week seven or six and he told me, I said, well, here's what we're going to try to do number 70. He said, we try to do that too. Good luck. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, so he was the real deal. Their linebackers played like we thought they'd play, but we, we're just a little bit. Now they did have a lot to do with that, but I just don't feel like our intensity was where it usually is to start a ball game. And part of that may be a three hour bus ride. You know, that's, that's a long haul for a district game, you know, in, in, in and I know, Michigan, yeah. Michigan can't do a lot for that, but you, you were expecting, you know, in, in a, in a quarterfinal or a semifinal matchup, not just in districts, you would expect some long drives at that point in the playoffs, but in the, in the second round of the district plays, it, that's a long haul to make for second-round district game.
1: Yeah, we do. It's, it's obviously a very unusual year. If you had stayed in district class three, probably wouldn't have had that kind of drive. Probably would have been southwest Missouri somewhere. but. Just an unusual season, uh, but, uh, uh, you mentioned the linebackers, uh, and, uh, they were about as active. I, I mentioned during the broadcast that they have to be good friends because they're in on every tackle together.
3: Yeah. And, you know, we, you could, uh, one of our coaches was talking about uh, more turning in equipment. Um, well, we sat and talked in the field house for a while on Friday night to Saturday morning, <laughs> but, uh, um, we talked and, Checking equipment, and, and they just communicated. They, they kind of gave each other a hard time if, they, if, if we got yards on one side or the other. I think 10 of the 11 defensive starters were seniors, so they probably played yeah. together a lot. And uh, so they, they, were, they, were well, they were a very cohesive group that played well together. Yeah, we talked about that on pregame,
1: actually, Talk last week. A 9-2 and team a year ago got assumed that they were juniors at that point.
3: This was probably the year they're pointing at. Probably so, and, and, and you know, honestly, you talked about being an odd year with, with Kansas City and St. Louis area schools not playing. That bumped us to Class 4, and it also bumped Web City to Class 5, which they got some help there, too, because, you know, uh, you, you get Web City out of your out of your classification, <laughs> you've got a shot. So um, I don't want to get too far off subject, but Carthage and Web City might be the Class 5 state championship yep. down there in the district game this weekend. But, um, yeah, it, Great group. I'm sure they've been looking forward to this year and a really good team. Not overly impressed with how they conducted themselves at all times, but that's not my decision to make. That's up to their, to, to their people up there, but a uh, really talented group of young men.
1: Well, let's talk about the the highlights again. Uh, they all came late in the contest. The game had pretty much been decided, but Nevada kind of got things rolling a little bit. Helias uh, ended up with a 34 to nothing lead before Nevada finally got on the board with just over five minutes to go in the third quarter of play. Nevada actually taking advantage of a recovering a Helias fumble, and Nevada eventually had a third and six from the 29 yard line of Helias when they got on the board for the first time, courtesy of quarterback Dylan Beachler. They'll line up in the pistol. And it goes back. to Play action of Beechler. He wants to run. He's got running room. First down and more. Fifteen, ten to the 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! Dylan Beechler runs it in from twenty-nine yards out, and the Tigers are on the board. That's it. Crowd sounds more than four hundred there. That's a pretty good crowd response there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> was really was. Re- I was really pleased with our crowd. I mean, I, a lot of people made a long trip to to watch that game and. Been very supportive all year, and and we're very supportive of our young men on Friday night. Yes, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, that.
1: I saw a caravan behind the bus. I saw going up there. I, I don't know if you noticed it.
3: I did not. Your wife was that. in it. You didn't notice. Yeah. It? <laughs> you you probably,
1: know, uh, you probably don't talk a lot during game day, do you? <laughs> it's after the season. We're to a little for, bit
3: you, for everybody that doesn't know, Mike's Mike's like a part time comedian. So he's he's been giving me a hard time all day. So <laughs> when when he starts going on his. uh Improv sure. You'll have to get some tickets for that. But yeah. uh,
1: I don't have to worry about you punching me until next August. <laughs>
3: well, I did not. I did not notice the caravan. But uh, yeah, our crowd. Our crowd was great. Great to see that many people up there. And um, next time we go. 11, 12 games deep into the season. i sure and look out the back window and see what's going on behind the bus.
1: Devaney uh, was able to grab it. Was able to get on the board. The extra point though was no good. Made it 34 to 6 at that point. Let's talk about the run though by Dylan. Nice read option on that play and he obviously picked the right option.
3: Yeah, you know, that's our rollout where we try to sneak the fullback out in the flat and he rolls out and he has the option of throwing to Cartman Hiley, our tight end who split out over the top at the corner plays the flat. Um, in, the, in that case, the corner went with Cartman mm-hmm. and then a linebacker sniffed it out and kind of jumped on the fullback early. So Dylan tucked it. And the good thing about that, that was the first play the game against Harrisonville where Dylan got about mm-hmm. 35 yards as well. The good thing about that is, is our wing back, Caden Denny and our tight end and whoever's on that side and our fullback always do a good job of turning the blockers once they see Dylan tuck it and run. So that's what happened on that, on that occasion is both the fullback and the tight end became lead blockers for Dylan. So that makes a big difference. It might have actually been Denny's put out to that side Mm -hmm. in that, in that formation. So. They do a good job of blocking for him when he decides to run it instead of throw it.
1: Elias did respond with a 29-yard run of their own by their quarterback in Jacob Weaver. That was his third rushing touchdown of the night, by the way. Made it 41-6. to Very impressed with their quarterback in Weaver.
3: Yeah, good football player, real good football player.
1: Well, Nevada did respond, though, after that touchdown early on in the fourth quarter of play. This time it was Eli Cheney leading ground ground gainer on the season for the Nevada Tigers as the junior tailback was able to run 49 yards in. Gonna warn you, this play is joined a little bit late because as usual, the, uh, the folks on the field don't give me enough time for media timeout, so bear with us. Well, coming out of the timeout, Eli Cheney running into the end zone on second down at five from the 49 yard line. Cheney off the right tackle, takes it to the house. 49-yard touchdown run for the junior tailback, Eli chaining the beta on the board, now trailing 41-12. to 12. With all the media we have nowadays covering these games, I still can't understand we can't get media timeouts in high school football. But at any rate, uh, the, uh, we joined that play uh, after the, uh, the run had been done, but the classic Eli cheney run right for the season off the right side and uh, virtually untouched going to the
3: end zone. Yeah, our guys did a really good job. We jumped in a formation that they hadn't seen yet um, on that play, and they kind of aligned to it funny, and which, you know, was advantage us. But we weren't real sure how to block it. But our kids did a good job of of just blocking what they saw there and following their rules. And yeah, he had a pretty good job of of being kind of in touch to the end zone. So, you know, again, a young man that has some power. uh Stronger than he looks and also faster than you than think he is. And mm-hmm. so just a good combination. When he gets to the edge, he's tough to bring down.
1: Eliza well, scored a couple more times. Uh, one of those uh, coming on a 63-yard run by uh, uh, Carson Bronner. Another 57-yard uh, touchdown, touchdown pass. And our backup quarterback walk-in to Harrison Miller. That made it 54-14. But Nevada determined to get on the end, in the end zone one more time before that game came to an end. And he got it done just inside a minute and a half to go in the contest with one of their senior running backs able to get into the end zone one more time. So first and go for Nevada at the five-yard line, working down to our left, down to 125 remaining here in the contest. Nevada can't get one more punched in here before this one's over. They'll go to Denny, trying to get it to him, yep. And he dives into the end zone. Superman, Kane and Denny over the top of the tackler who thought he had position and found out he did it. Six points, Caden Denny on the Superman touchdown, and Nevada's on the board. Uh, what a way for that young man to, to finish off his career at Nevada High School, a guy who uh, technically missed two games on the stats, but he really missed three because uh, how soon he went out of the Lamar ball game. But uh, to uh, almost get a 1,000 yards on the season and multiple in double digits in the touchdown category, that was a, that was a great one to finish with.
3: Yeah, and it, it was, it was nice to see him get a touchdown. It was, it was impressive for people who didn't see it. It'd be worth going back and looking on, online. Uh, yeah, linebacker came up and was breaking down to get position. Caden just launched himself over top of him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in college. I'm sure he'll get an opportunity to play. Um, don't know to what extent yet, but, uh, uh the things he did on a, on a bad knee this year were just amazing so he, he gets healthy and gets strong again as strong as he can get it'll be he'll be fun to watch for sure
1: 54-22 ended up being the final score between the Nevada tigers and the crusaders of elias catholic on friday night on a beautiful night for football in jefferson city unfortunately the score just didn't come out the way that Nevada had hoped but uh, still when we take a look at the ball game itself uh, i thought the impressive thing about the ball game when you did fall behind 28 to nothing obviously it had been, been easy to back it up and uh, get ready to call it a season. But your team showed the character that we expect
3: and uh, came back fighting, especially in that second half. Well, that's something that they've never done, you know, Mike. Um, you know, Even last year, and we've talked about this at length throughout the season, I, we didn't know what the win-loss record would be, but after watching these young men last year play against Mount Vernon, um, you know, we went down to Mount Vernon. They were number one in our district on week 10, and to have a zero-zero game at the end of the first quarter against a very potent offensive attack, just because our kids were out there just playing as hard as they could, we knew that we kind of had some kids that were not going to quit, not going to lay down, we're going to play the game the right way, and and that uh, that showed up again on Friday night. Just uh, they're not going to quit, they're going to play hard, they're going to play the right way, and you know, like we talked about, other than being a little bit starstruck, probably a yeah. decent term. Early on, just came out and didn't quite play the way they they normally do to start a ball game. It it could have been a little bit different, but uh, uh, good team up there at Hawaii, like we talked about, and, and uh proud of our young men the way that, and the season they had and the way they continue to play on Friday night.
1: Memory serves, you uh, won the coin flip, deferred to the second uh, to the second half. They ran, they got down the field in about four plays to score on their opening drive. It's, 2020, obviously, is hindsight, as the saying goes. Do you wish, in some respect, you would have taken taking the ball first there?
3: No. Uh, just always nine out of ten times I want the ball to start the second half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're – and just my thinking, and, and opinions are going to vary, but my thinking is if you're down a score, you get the ball first. If you're up a score, you get the ball first. You may put the game away. You know, you're down a score, you get the ball first, and you go down a score, and now it's an even ball game. Um, you, you, never plan to be down 28 mm-hmm. nothing at halftime. You just don't, you, that's not the way coaches think. I, you know, uh, so that, that was the plan going in. That was the plan all week. That's what we practiced on Thursday in our walkthrough. And so, uh, you know, I just remember a really good parent I had at Parkview. Um, one time I made a, well, I thought it was a bad call after the fact mm-hmm. in a game and he kept shook my half the game. And he said, coach, it's a call. He goes, People make snap decisions a thousand times every day, whether they're aware of them or not. And you make a call and you go with it. And we made the call and we went with that. And, uh, you know, it's easy, like you said, 2020, that they score in four plays. But what we were hoping for is again to, to stub their toe, get a turnover on downs, get something like that and still a possession. So probably would have done it the same way.
1: Yeah. And 98% of the coaches would have done, in the, world, in the country would have done it the same way. That's just the way most coin flips go. You defer to the second, uh, to the second half and left your, the Chiefs, and say, well, we're just going to go down, score on you right away, and set the tone. And I guess that's the way I was asking the question, uh, somewhat regretful in the way that they set the tone of the game with that first drive.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, and I still think, Mike, if we'd have played like we are supposed to play, you know, we, we, were, we were hit a little bit, um, well... It, Pretty majorly, you know, we had an all-conference player staying home because of, uh, mm-hmm. quarantine. And then we had some special teams and some key backup guys staying home. So that, that, that hurt a little bit. You know, maybe the confidence wasn't quite there because so the whole group wasn't there. Um, but I, I think if we, if we play that a little more aggressively, um, it, it might be a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, one of those things that, uh, you know, that's what keeps coaches up at night. <laughs> Woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, and, but you, but you can't beat yourself up doing that stuff because you just gotta, and you know, I heard Dabo Sweeney say this last year and I've heard it for a long time. And I'm sure you've heard and I've probably said it before. Mm-hmm. You, you, you coach what you know and you know what you coach and and you just go by that and, and you do the best you can and make decisions all the time.
1: When they came out defensively like they did, well, did you have any, uh, any was there is there frust- any frustration setting in uh, as far as finding how difficult it was to get yards that uh, you know like you were accustomed to getting
3: well, I think the frustrating part for me again was you know I wasn't a very happy camper at halftime again. I just didn't feel like we were playing veda football it, it wasn't a case of our kids being soft it wasn't a case of being overly starstruck. it was just a case that we didn't come out for whatever reason and and like you said, some of the credit goes to them, but just by watching our kids, we were kind of uh not lethargic, but just kind of methodical and mechanical rather than just being fluid and playing like we had on both sides early on. So I, I, that's the only regret I have is that, that, that our kids, for whatever reason, and, you know, did we do something, maybe we should, maybe as coaches, we should have done something differently on the way up. You know, I don't, I don't know how you would deal. We stopped on halfway up, got something to eat, and stayed outside the buses and got to walk around a little bit. You know, I just it's just a long way to go. I don't know if that was a factor. Um, there were some other variables that could have come into play, but – uh you know, at that point, there's no excuses. You got to show up, get off the bus and play football. I just didn't feel like we played our best ball at, a, at kind of a bad time to <laughs> so not play your best ball.
1: <laughs> well, Elias does get the victory 54 22. They move on to the class four district six championship game. That'll be this Friday night against the Warrensburg Tigers, who has the number three seed. Went on the road. I wouldn't call it an upset. Probably two pretty even teams actually going at it, but they defeated Bolivar 27 to 23. So Elias and Warrensburg are going to be matched up again in Jefferson City. Coming up on Friday night to decide that Class 4 District 6 championship. So the season has come to an end. We'll come back talk about that. We will talk about what's ahead for Nevada Tiger football and more after this time out on Tiger Talk.
2: Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse is more than just barbecue. They offer a full menu in-house and can customize limited menus catered specifically to your needs. They are open for an incredible dining experience and will do curbside orders as well. All servers are wearing masks and all employees are going the extra mile so you and your family can have a great meal. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse wishes the Nevada Tigers good luck in tonight's game. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse at 2500 East Austin in Nevada.
0: Call Twice a year is a minimum. You owe it to yourself. A checkup with Dr. Travis Jackson at Nevada Family Dentistry. New patients are always accepted. Call today for an appointment at 667-3006. Nevada Family Dentistry offers you the highest level of dental care available in a warm, comfortable environment with services for all ages. They are now your local source for dental implants. Open Tuesday, 830 to noon and 1 to 5. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 830 to 1 and 2 to 5. Nevada Family Dentistry, 667-3006 at 402-E. Walnut in Nevada.
1: Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment has a parts department to help you find all the parts you need for your ATV, RTV, motorcycle, go-kart, scooter, dirt bike, or UTV. They carry parts for most major brands and are able to special order, and they also have a huge selection of aftermarket parts and accessories. See their online marketplace for current inventory at EldoradoCycle.com. From Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, located at 3270 South Highway 32 in Eldorado Springs, Missouri.
0: Hey, this is Annie with Thorbs. Did you know Channel Master antennas receive high-definition and digital signals over the air from a span of 180 degrees and up to 80 miles of range to receive local channels? Thorbs Appliances is your local authorized Channel Master dealer that also installs. Come check out our line of smart TVs and Roku streaming devices to enhance your viewing experience. 32 to 75-inch screens are available and are as low as $229. Call Thorpe's Appliances at 667-8787 to schedule a free quote today. Thorps, your home for Annie-approved appliances. It's time for the
2: Holiday Open House at Sutherland's Home Base, 2101 East Austin in Nevada this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Come by during Open House and check out all the products they have to offer to help during this chilly season. What a way to prepare for all those winter projects and holiday ideas. And only Sutherland's Home Base, where there is everything you need for your home inside and out. That's the Holiday Open House this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Sutherland's Home Base, 2101 East Austin in Nevada. Great products, great people, low prices.
1: Mike Harbin back with you on Tiger Talk, visiting with Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beezer. Again, later on the program, we'll be talking with Nevada Tiger swim coach Clay Wheeler, a conversation we actually had yesterday as uh, his swimmers are getting ready for the Class 1 state championships coming up on Saturday just outside of St. Louis at the uh, St. Peter's Plex. Of course, Ben Hines, a multiple uh, uh, state swim champion, getting ready to go back uh, in his final tenure at Nevada before he heads uh, to, uh, to the University of Alabama. Well, unless something major happens before that signing day. But, uh, he's headed to, to swim for the Crimson Tide and he, along with the rest of the Nevada Tiger Swimmers, several of the good ones going up there. Uh, to try to bring back some medals and some individual events and relays. We'll talk about that later in the program. All right, coach. So let's wrap up the, uh, the 2010 season. We, you know, we have these conversations and I'm sure everybody combines them all over their mind. They look at the schedule and they figure, you know, trying to then, they do this, 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 this. And, uh, you and I have those conversations before the season starts. And, and I just kind of get the feeling that, uh, this season in a lot of ways, maybe, when, maybe not in the wins and losses, but in a lot of ways this season might have even exceeded your expectations a
3: little bit think you know we never i don't know that I 've ever looked at a schedule Mike and, and thought, okay, this is a win, this is a win, this is a loss, this is probably a loss it's, but um, i I did go into this year thinking the first two games were key. Uh, Rogersville was a better mm-hmm. team than much improved over last year, so that was a bigger win at the time than I really thought it was. Um, of course, the Friday night we played them, I realized they were pretty doggone good um, and then Hollister was just so much bigger more physical than they had been. And so I think to win those two games back to back was huge. Um I really feel like, you know, that in week three of the Casville game was was one of the games that we just didn't play great Nevada football and was still up eight to seven towards the end of the first quarter in that game. Um and I really felt Lamar, you know, we're we're twenty eight twenty two going into the fourth quarter, but we lost Sanderson and Denny in the first drive of the game. So I think if those two stay on the field that game could have been a little bit different um so you know just uh i don't know that i think a lot about wins and losses but we really felt like we had a team that was going to be competitive and to be honest with you i i I would have guessed we're probably in the four to six win range um just looking just just because the big ace would all gone tough and not really you know i didn't go through and pick them Mike. i was Mm -hmm. just thinking as i think we'll be competitive i think we'll be much improved i think i think we can get to four maybe six wins and uh, so, yeah, they probably did exceed a little bit. I, I'm just really, really pleased with how we practiced and how we played um, compared to, to, to some previous years where we didn't really seem too into practice at times. These these guys managed to come to practice every day with a mindset, I want to get better today, and, and not every one of them and not every practice, but the majority was there every day trying to focus on winning games and making themselves better.
1: And we probably talked about this a little bit, but in in reality, you were 20 seconds away from an eight-win season uh, uh, to get that win down in Seneca. And reality is you went one in 19 the previous two years. So what was the biggest contributor to this to
3: this turnaround this year? Um, the seniors. Um, I'd say it without much hesitation. Um, Obviously, we had some juniors step up and play really well that had to play last year as sophomores. Logan Marcora. if I start naming names, I'm going to leave a lot of kids out, but Logan really surprised me. Um, uh, broke his hand or his wrist. I can't remember which one last year as a sophomore fairly early. Um, before the halfway mark, I'm pretty sure. Of course, that's now we're going way back in time, <laughs> but, uh, so there's some juniors definitely stepped up and we, and we started quite a few sophomores this year that, that, locked in, understood what their job was on Friday nights, and got the most of their ability. But I think the seniors really had an approach of we're going to practice right, we're going to play right on Friday nights, we're going to hold each other accountable. You know, it's kind of nice when practice starts to lag. I don't have to rant and rave and carry on. Did a few times. Coach Barnes did a few times as well, but Jace Lee and Caden Denny and kids like that will will pick it up for us. and That's got to continue. Um I think coaches... Can change the character of teams, Well, I think it takes players to help to change the culture. And I think that started to turn this year and we're going to need players to continue to, to want to do that in order for it to continue to get better from here.
1: And again, some of our prior conversations, you know, we talked about this on air. We talked about it off air. When you came back for the second stance, you knew you were going to have to kind of build it. it. It became obvious you were going to have to build it from the bottom up, uh, get the numbers back up where they need to be. And, and they could still go higher, obviously, but you, you knew it was going to be, you quickly recognized it was going to be a building process. Did you, has it now accelerated?
3: You know, um, I think the thing that, uh, I hear which there's a lot of positives that I hear about, you know, I had to, Big eight West coaches that are friends text me and say, you didn't lose much. And what, what they see is the offensive line, Eli Chaney, Case Sanderson, um, Denny will be very hard to replace. And I think defensively we lost, we're going to lose both of our inside linebackers of both defensive ends. And that's going to be a tough fill. Yeah. I, to Jay Lee is possibly the best. Quickest reading inside linebacker I have ever coached. He reminds me a lot of Brady Denny when, when I was here before in 2012. Just read so fast and got through the windows and filled really quick. Wesley Balk's just a tough, hard-nosed kid. Then we had Riley Trotter and Noah Beach with those defensive end spots. And, then of course, Ethan Fa- Faulkner back at safety was an all-conference player as well. So all those young men I just talked about, they all got letters today from colleges congratulating them on being all big eight, which means they're also on that school's radar. And that's, it's tough to replace, you know, four all conference players on the, five of them, the mm-hmm. both inside linebackers, defensive ends, and, and Ethan Forkner at safety. So, uh, and then just the intangible things, you know, that Dylan was much improved at quarterback. Denny's obviously really special player. Um, and just don 't want to leave any kids out and time you start naming names you 're going to leave a few out mm-hmm. I hate to do that, but On your uh,
1: defensive backfield will solidify with fort back there and right safety. right
3: and uh trotter at, at tight in mm-hmm. you know you 're an all co- he 's an all conference first team tight in, and he caught three passes, so that tells you the respect he had for the coaches of blocking the edge for us so. Just a great group. And then we had a lot of unsung heroes on the senior class, too. That were good Ethan Lavelle was a great practice running back, a scout team. There's not a lot of glory in that. Nobody's watching you run the ball hard on scout team in <laughs> practice. But he did a good job there. And uh, we'll always miss Lane, personally's enthusiasm. And I know, like I said, you start naming names, you're going to leave a few guys off. But I'm very happy that Ty Thomas and Lane Wilson came back out, and they both contributed. Um, just really put the senior class. Yeah, Trey Moore was a young man that – you talk about getting the most out of your ability and, and, and he he understands it's not, not overly fast, not overly big, but definitely was there on Friday nights ready to play football. So good group of seniors and we'll miss them tremendously. And, and, and they did a lot to help change Nevada football back to where we want it to be. And now we got to maintain that. I think you talked about, can it stay there? Um, we've got a lot of shoes. I mean, you know, uh, if we had either tailback or wingback go out, and with an injury or a cramp, Trey Moore could run either spot and there wasn't a huge drop off. And stuff like that's hard to replace. It's, it's just not easy to plug people into those kind of roles. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll miss the senior group a lot.
1: What about the coaching staff? You all took your lumps the last couple of years. I'm sure there were a lot of, uh, Saturday morning meetings and, uh, and late night meetings where you try to figure things out. Uh, does this season kind of get you and your staff's uh, juices going again? Well, I think that
3: they, they mine never went away. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, yeah. you know, um, just love, Love kids and love coaching football, but you know, last year, Mike, it it was just, it was just such a scramble. It, there, there was still a lot of love of coaching football. And I think you'd see it if you'd watch it. In fact, we, I had a few guys in town pull up and watch practice for a while. And afterwards I'd go over and talk to them and they'd say, coach, you you would never guess what your record is by the way your coaches are coaching and the way your kids are practicing. So I think that was, that that was still there, but the frustration level was high because it seemed like we were plugging in. You know, it's kind of like the little boy that's got his finger blocking, you know, the <laughs> hole in the dam. And then another one, another one. Next thing you know, he's out of fingers and toes. And it's like, who, who are we going to plug in here? And that, that was a frustration last year. But uh, our kids persevered through it. Um, they got better from it. And that's that was my biggest fear is are they going to bounce back from taking some drubbings as sophomores and freshmen having to play on Friday nights in the Big Eight? And they, they responded the right way. And it's, uh, it was good to see.
1: This is certainly an interesting season, no doubt about it. And uh, it started uh, all the way back in the in the spring when your off season program got basically uh, nixed, and into and the summer, until you could finally get things going. But slowly rolling back into it in the in the summer months, and finally kind of got things going back again in August. But, uh, you're one of the few teams around that, uh, that got your schedule in, uh, without any changes, uh, didn't have to find another team to play, didn't have to quarantine the entire team. I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, gratitude in that. And, uh, probably, I don't know if there's any luck involved in that, but that's, I'm sure there's, uh, when you go back and look at it, you're probably feeling like you're pretty fortunate
3: until the end. <laughs> we, we did, uh, we were yeah, the fortunate. One, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, down a starter on Friday night and, and four or five, you know, and people understand when you say four or five special teams kids, some of those special teams young men do a heck of a job on special teams and, and then you're forced to put a starter, you know, we had some two way stars out there playing special teams on Friday night to cover some spots. So, um, yeah, we feel very fortunate to, to have the limited amount of quarantines and illness, uh, especially that we had and injury. You know, we had a few major ones. I mean, Got a young man on crutches right now. It's gonna miss part of basketball. That uh, uh, in case Sanderson, that's going to be a heck of a contributor in every sport that he plays. And you know, that a lot of our kids understand that. You know, it's uh, walked out with his senior the other day, and he was kind of beat up, and you know, this knee and that ankle and this shoulder, and he said, man, it's part of football." And like we've talked about here before, Mike, our kids to the, to a man, say that they would not trade it for anything. And um, they, it was a special group this year.
1: Yeah, and I, and I was just sitting here thinking, I wish I would mentioned this in the prior segment, because uh, I hope people who watched uh, the broadcast on the Venomo TV, if they weren't on radio and watching on the VenomoTV.com, I hope they hung around to post game and, uh, and saw, because uh, Kara did a good job on, on showing uh, the end zone area. And uh, obviously uh, your players think a lot of each other.
3: Yep. Uh, um I didn't mean to get you there, but Yeah. It's a it's a good group and a lot of unity and uh that you can't always manufacture that. You know what I mean? You you can't always you you can do all kinds of team building stuff and your leaders are gonna make that happen or they're not. And this year's group um, I think they were welcoming to new people. Uh, we we talked about Lane and Ty coming back out, and they were very thankful. Everybody was just glad to have them back instead of made them feel like outsiders. I think our seniors did a good job of embracing the younger kids. You don't always get that. Sometimes you get seniors that think, I don't even to talk to the freshmen or know their names. We had quite a few seniors this year one to get to know the freshmen's name and wanted to know them. I, th- I think the freshmen feel pretty good about their relationship um, with the freshmen. But I think part of that goes back to Hunter Mason, and Braden Hinton, and Braxton Shadden. This group of seniors this year were freshmen when those guys were seniors, and they took the time to mentor some of these guys. And I know that Dylan still thinks highly of Braden Hinton as a quarterback role model for him. And uh so I think this group had a senior group that treated freshmen well, and they tried to treat the freshmen better than than some teams have generally done I'm not talking the last couple of years here. I'm talking in my career. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get senior groups that aren't very kind to the freshmen. I thought I thought it was very good that uh those seniors did that. And uh you know, so all those kids that came back out were welcome back. You know, Blake Prior's another one that came in was a good kickoff guy for us. And and I thought Blake played really well at defensive end on Friday night. And so uh just a lot of the kids were a good group. They they talked some guys and they come they welcomed some guys back that that hadn't played for a couple of years. They were good to the underclassmen and I think all that stuff is important and it's it's a good group. Uh and they'll be sorely missed and hopefully our underclassmen learned a little bit about leadership and unity and team chemistry from this group. Hopefully uh the one piece of
1: video I hope you say for eternity is uh the 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 Roddy Trotter double pancake
3: down at Aurora. I think that might have, that might have epitomized <laughs> the season this year.
1: Yeah.
3: Um <laughs> Yeah, I think that, that probably got some attention too for it when he was <laughs> voted all conference. But yeah, that's just the way, you know, that, that he always played the game. And I think, you know, Nick Williams is another young man that's, that's a big, strong kid for us. That was a, a dynamite, um, scout team kid for us and just a great young man. He, and he's, if you don't know, Nick is, Nick could probably pick up your truck and move it for you if you needed him to. And so now he's he's trying to thinking about going into powerlifting, going to college and powerlifting, which would be good for him, but uh I think when you go against guys like Nick that are as big as Nick is every day in practice, that's what got me on the Nick Williams story is that you sometimes you come around the corner and you're used to hitting somebody like that and you get two of them may not be as strong as one Nick. So it, it turns out to be pretty pretty beneficial for you.
1: Well, certainly was quite the season. It's a great group that's going to be uh, moving on and uh, to uh, to uh, other things uh, down the road. And uh, yeah, your your group this year did get a lot of accolades, and I'm sure you got several players are going to get some, as you said earlier, going to get some attention, and maybe maybe they if they choose to can uh, can go to the next level.
3: Well, I think that'll be a possibility. And the thing you always that I want to be aware of, in any parents that are listening, and this is for future parents as well. You know, sometimes. Um, you, you'll get an offer from a school that costs 35,000 a year to go there. Just understand that if they offer you 5,000 a year, I mean, yeah, it's technically you're considered a scholarship player, but you're still showing out a lot of money. Um, so it'll be interesting when you get to that division two level. That's when you're, you're going to have like a situation where. I don't know what it costs. I should know because I have a son that's on a scholarship in Missouri <laughs> Southern right now. The mom's the accountant in the family. I can still so tell thank you. goodness for that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But you know, when you start getting half your books and tuition and housing and that kind of stuff, that's, that's when you get to the D2 level. I don't know um, what will happen there. Um, I know we've got a little bit of interest, but ultimately that's not up to me anymore. Um, we do the best we can to send highlight films to call coaches and, and tell them about our kids and they'll come down to visit our kids. But we can't make colleges give kids money. And so, it, uh, I think, I think we have four or five strong ones and maybe another one or two that have a chance to play smaller college football. But, uh, it's something they got to really want to do, Mike, as you, you know, from talking to me and talking to a lot of other people, it, it's a lot different deal at the college level. It's a job. And it, yeah, it's, it's a job <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of kids go from high school coaches that generally care about them and love them and, and know their parents and those kind of things to college coaches who you need to help me win, and that's the bottom line, and kind of become a commodity. And some kids struggle with that, some kids are fine mm-hmm. with that. So, it's always interesting to see who who can power through college sports and who kind of goes, this isn't for me. Yeah. So it's, uh, but we'll have some young men that have the opportunity. If they so choose to, to, to venture into that.
1: Well, we'll see what happens down the road as t- time goes on. There's some t- signing. There was one today, as a matter of fact. And I should mention, congratulations to uh, Abby Harder, Nevada Lady Tiger softball player, signed her letter of intent today while well, we're talking about that, uh, to go to uh, ten school and play softball at William Jewell. And there were some other uh, signings over there as well. But, uh, uh as far as uh, what we consider traditional athletics, uh, Abby Harder, congratulations to her to, uh, uh for William Jewell and, uh, and, uh Lady Cardinal Softball. I'm sure she'll do well up there. All right, so uh you know, we've talked about uh we talked about the game, we talked about the season, and then you will be talk about the future. So farbies <coughs> So when we look in the future and moving ahead, first thing that uh, comes up for you of course is your off season program. There's no doubt you're still gonna have to deal with with COVID nineteen through the off season. So how do you see that? Uh uh I guess powering your way through that to make sure you have a successful off season
3: program. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question, Mike. <laughs> um we, we we try to keep them distance and you know, I I mean probably once a week or once every other week I remind the kids that if you're not the lifter or the spotter to move away from your rack mm-hmm. and stay spaced out. Obviously, we wipe the bars down, we wipe the weights down periodically, wipe the benches down every time we're on the benches and use them. Um and and that's about all you can do, you know. Uh, um so we'll just keep trying to, you know, do the best we can with that, do the things that we need to do, and and make sure that we're um, covering all of our bases with all that stuff. Um But uh I'm hoping that this, you know, kind of winds down or a vaccine comes out or something. But, yeah, it, it's obviously a concern, but uh, our, our kids have have really done a good job of doing the things they need to do in order to stay safe in the weight room and, and train together. And hopefully we can get outside some, too, as well. Mm-hmm. But, um
1: well, what's your target time? Is, is that, after, after
3: when they come well, back? I'm actually, I'm actually going to open the weight room next, start next week after school, Monday, Wednesday and Friday from about 3.05 to 4.05. And i will be open to anybody who wants to come in and lift. That's not going to be real structured yet. That's just going to be the kids that are in weights during the day or kids that aren't in weights during the day. They can come in and get some lift extra lifts in or do, do a little more lifting if they choose. In January, that's when it's going to be structured. It'll probably be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And that'll be, you know, can't really make those things mandatory, but it's gonna be. I really like to. I'd really like to see them there because it's gonna be auxiliary stuff that go with our weight. Press. It's gonna be change of direction stuff, lateral speed, linear speed, all those kind of things, and, and so and moving some more weight again. So that'll begin after January, and and we'll, I'll have to get administrative approval. So maybe I should even say that. I might might have an administrator call me right after we get out the yeah, air here. But. Now. but uh, <laughs> um, Coach Downing and I have always done a middle school, um, AM thing before school beginning at 630 and going to about 715. We'll have to wait and see. We usually start that after Christmas as well. Um, so we'll have to see where we're at as far as stuff like that goes. But, um, just like to get those kids, um, going with the, with the basic lifting stuff. We don't try to go real heavy and, uh, some of the kids that we had go through that in the past are really good lifters now as freshmen and sophomores. So it's good to see that that's having an impact along with what coach Howarth and coach Clark and coach Barnes are doing at the middle school. But uh, yeah, we'll try to get all that going. It'll be open next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday after school for some extra lifting if they want to come in. And then after January, it'll be when we, we hopefully can get outside some, get some gym when the girls or boys basketball teams travel. We can use one gym to get some linear and lateral speed stuff going and some more time under the bar.
1: And uh, and we've always talked about the fact that, you know, that's for obviously players who aren't involved in other activities, but you've always been really good about uh because there are benefits to
3: other sports. I don't know that you can make an off-season program more beneficial than a young man playing another sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never understood. It makes me want to pull my hair out um, when I hear that coaches want to reel their kids in and just have them play their sport. I do not understand that at all. Um, there are so many benefits to, to playing other sports. It, it's ridiculous. Um, now I always joke, I'll joke with Coach Gray and Coach Hawks once in a while. In, in a football coach's perfect world, all my linemen are wrestling and all my skill guys are playing basketball because that, that would carry over to what they do on the football field. But honestly, we like, we like to see our kids involved in wrestling, basketball, baseball, track, um, whatever else they can do i don 't know i don't I don't know that Owen swearingen is listening, but i 'm not sure golf is included in in, in that uh, in that part right there but uh we we like to see our kids do and then a lot of our kids that don 't play basketball or wrestle and some of the wrestlers do go with us they go to powerlifting mm-hmm. in in February and March and mike we've, we we don 't train for that we just lift hard during the school year and we go to the meets and our girls uh, have placed in the top four the last two years, and our boys were third in the state two years ago and fifth in the state last year. So our kids that don't compete in, in wrestling and basketball do a good job of getting in powerlifting and getting into that, and we got a couple of state record holders out of that deal last year. And In fact, our girl state record holder is 240 pounds, Malia McDowell. And this week testing, she did 270 on the squat. She's a state record holder at 240. So if those meets are still held, she'll probably beat her own state record this mm-hmm. year as a senior. So hopefully uh, we can continue to do it. I think, I think Nick Williams has a chance. We talked about Nick earlier to set some powerlifting records this year too if we get to have those meets. And So it, it's just good to see your kids doing other things besides playing football and coming to off season. I, I just can go watch them play basketball, watch them on the wrestling mat, then watch them run or throw or jump. In the spring or, or play some baseball I just like to see him get involved in, in more than one sport.
1: well somebody about your, your, the future of your program because obviously you know this is one thing about uh, high school football you always got to replace players there's no doubt about it and uh, unless it's an incredibly odd year you don't have any seniors but uh, uh, but having your whole basically almost your entire offensive line back certainly is a great place to start uh, for next season. so how do you obviously I'm going to assume that you see plenty of uh, plenty of tools to work with. Uh, going into next year and then hopefully uh, the middle school numbers were awesome again this year hopefully that continues to flood into the high school program
3: and if so you're going to get what you need well you know our little league numbers were up mm-hmm. our middle school numbers are up and, and you know on that note i thank the little league coaches a lot of guys volunteer a lot of time in order to do that and uh, i want to thank our middle school staff they've done a great job of inspiring kids to play i know um Somebody asked if the Thorps were brothers, and that you know that. <laughs> but Craig, Craig, and Toby both do a great job of of getting kids out to play. Um, so I thank the middle school staff for that. So I think you know, Mike is. This is going to be. We we'll, we won't know who's starting until we get through a couple weeks of camp and probably the first week of practice next year. But immediately um, when I start going back through film, which I'll start doing here, we've been turning gear the last couple of days. I'll start going through film. Uh, pretty quick here um and 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 just already start looking at man, where do we where where's the biggest holes to fill? you know you don't really worry about you know I will probably shuffle the offensive line. I'm just gonna be straightforward with that. I'll probably move some guys around to to make us a little bit stronger up there, I think, but uh we'll take a look at coach Barnes, I already talked a little bit today about you know not really doing a depth chart but just what are we what do we need, where are our big need positions and like we talked about defensive end, inside linebackers a concern. I think we got some kids that can step up, but B. Shore and Trotter were injury. Well, they're a little bit nicked up, but they played the entire year were two really solid D ends and like we talked about Wes and Jace at the inside linebacker spots. But we got some guys that can step up and fill that, but we're going to have to just take a look at do we need to move anybody? Do we need to what do we got coming up from the freshman class? And freshman I will say this: We had 13 or 14 freshmen stay and practice the extra two weeks with us, and that was good to see because we saw some things from some of those kids that we were like, "Interesting," you know. Mm -hmm. So they got another couple weeks of football in, and we saw some good things out of them. So uh, pleased with how things look for the future, but uh, we do have some big holes to fill, and we'll we'll work hard on that in the off season in the summer of getting those those kids plugged in to, to fill those gaps.
1: Well, the uh, next season will be up on us before we uh, before we blink. And uh, the older I get, the quicker they come. They seem to come around. So uh, we'll look forward to it next August. Uh, so you, you see yourself going to some playoff games, the rest of this fall.
3: Uh you know, that's gonna to be tough, Mike, because I I reached out to a COC coach, well, you can imagine mm-hmm. um which game that was. And yeah. I, I think tickets gonna be hard to come by because of uh, I think limits. limited seating. Mm-hmm. And then so if I don't hear back positive on that I may I may try to delve into a, a big eight matchup mm-hmm. coming up here.
1: How about Castville, um, district championship game without having to play?
3: Yeah, they, they had a buy, and then um,
1: and off of the, they got the forfeit from Reed Spring so last like, yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. So
3: that you know, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing this yeah. time of year. You know, yeah. two weeks I, off. I would
1: I would think that if I was a, if we asked Coach now I'd say he'd rather played last week.
3: Yeah, it, 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 for sure, a bye week once in a while. Get some kids healed up, you know, lick some wounds a little bit, so to speak. But two of them would be pretty tough. But yeah, I, I think it's. I would like to go to some playoff games, but I'd, with limited capacity and only being able to give away some, like we did with the vouchers going up to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I think it might be tough. Might have to resort to some MoTV type deals on the on You'll those. You pay the ten bucks. Uh, <laughs>
1: Remember I on, know a guy. guy.tv t- now. Yeah, well,
3: I, I know a guy. I'll leave it yeah. guy.
2: <laughs>
1: so. And by the way, and I, I kid about that. I appreciate everybody And we and 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 we had we had uh obviously been on the road at Jeff City last Friday, we obviously had a much bigger audience on the Vedemo TV than we did for the home game against Harrisonville, but I appreciate everybody understanding that we have nothing to do with the pay-per-view. Everybody seemed to go ahead and accept it. It is what it is. And, uh, nothing we can do to change it, but people, you know, obviously our numbers were not as big on videos. They normally would be with a free, with the free broadcast, but hopefully they were listening on radio, or the audio stream anyway. I know a lot of people who did that. So.
3: Well, I just hope, Mike, that you're not going on vacation <laughs> the next two weeks and, and put pictures on your Facebook down in Hawaii or something that people might start to wonder a little you bit. might start
1: to wonder. Yeah. Well, I can, I can guarantee you that's not going to happen. <laughs> I got a basketball season starting a week from Tuesday. Uh, well, that's why
3: I just don't go on vacation this week anywhere exotic because people might start to wonder.
1: Hey, that's the one thing, that's the one thing about, uh, the season being pushed back later is it does, it scrunches up against basketball a bit quicker and I don't have as much time off between the seasons.
3: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's good and bad. You know, uh, I think Coach Hawks, um, I talked to him today and I think, the football players can start. I think most of them. He gave them off to this Thursday or Friday. I think they have the choice either one. The only bad part for the athletes themselves, and you know, just to go right into another sport, mm-hmm. uh, football is pretty tough and pretty can be pretty difficult. So some some recovery time. But with that being said, I'd much rather push it and be in the playoffs nice. a round or two rather than be done week ten. So yeah. again, Mike, super proud of this team. Um For those that don't know, our player and coach only bonfire. Right now, talk to the fire department. We're good to go if it's not a windy day. We'll be next Sunday night at five for the players and coaches, and then uh, we'll get word out on the banquet. Uh, again, we're, the coaches are still trying to jockey on how we're going to do the postseason stuff. Uh, the state meetings have been canceled. We won't all be together at Tanterra to vote on all that. With each, with, with us talking about our kids, so that's going to be a little bit of a slippery slope trying to get kids all state uh, and then all district. Uh, that's coming up and we're not sure how to do that. And all Southwest Missouri, of course, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, us to Rolla down to West Plains and up to Arkansas, Kansas line. It's already been decided that Springfield Catholic will not host all classes, maybe just their class. So we're, we're trying to debate how to do that to get the all area kids selected. So when all that stuff gets ironed out, then we'll, and all the kids have been recognized so we can recognize with the bank, we'll try to get that planned as well. And it'll also depend on, uh, it's 2020 yeah you know it's uh the COVID stuff and we had a blackout you know at the school for four hours the other day <laughs> yeah. so i told my weights class today i said I'm, I'm looking for the ufos to land in my backyard this year because if it's going to happen it's going to happen in 2020 oh my gosh so yeah. it's, it's uh it's a crazy year but uh, if if everything goes according to plan when we get all the postseason kids on we'll get banquet plans set up and go from there but uh appreciate the parents i appreciate you mike i appreciate the administration and uh just thankful for the young men that we had this year and thankful to their parents. And, man, if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. That's just part of doing this thing live. You know, like you told me, I like to go without a net. That's your kind <laughs> of style. I, I, I don't pre-record and back up and do, oh, yeah. no, if I miss this. but it, it, That's that's the danger of doing it. But uh, I like visiting with you live and talking yeah. football and really appreciate the community and the support we had this year. And Good group of kids, kids uh, definitely worth supporting. So it was a fun year.
1: Absolutely, it was a it was a fantastic season. Certainly did enjoy it, and and thank you to you for to and, and again that's for those who don't know, we do not record this, we do it live. So that means you come from practice uh, when you when you've had practice uh, over here, straight from practice, and spend a late evening with us on Wednesday when I'm sure you like to be at home and join dinner a little bit earlier than you do. So and uh, appreciate uh, all the conversations we've had during the course of the season. Appreciate the friendship, and uh, look forward to doing it again next
3: August. Appreciate it. Well, the last Congratulations is, on the great season. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Now, last, last thank you goes to my wife, Sarah, that, uh, holds the rope a lot during football. I really appreciate her and I appreciate all of our coaches' wives because I know that they, you know, it's kind of a running joke that they, I see their husbands more than they do during football and it might not be much of a stretch mm-hmm. some weeks, so I appreciate them as well. Well, hopefully you get the chance to go see your son throw the javelin a little bit. Hope to do that this spring. It'll be interesting with coaching throwers and track again. And also, um, as right now, I think Hunter Mason will be playing in the spring. Mm-hmm. I think his yep. college is, so I'd like to get there and watch Hunter play some too. So we'll have to see how all that works out.
1: All right. Very good. Enjoy the offseason as much as you can. And, uh, and again, congratulations on a great year. All right. Thank you, Mike. Tiger head coach Wes Beach. When we come back, we're going to switch to the pool. Tiger swimming, getting ready for the state meet this Saturday. We'll come back and talk with head coach Clay Wheeler after this timeout on Tiger Talk.
2: Think you can't afford life insurance? Think again. You might be surprised at how affordable it can be. 80% of Americans overestimate the cost of life insurance. Maybe it's time to swap a few small expenses for some big peace of mind. Life insurance can protect what matters most. And it's the right thing to do. Let's talk today. For details, contact your American Family Insurance agent, Jan Tate. Call 417-667-2035 or stop by 906 North Osage Boulevard in Nevada today.
0: Hi, it's Sabrina. And Kyla. Here to
4: say at Great Southern Bank, we're here for you. Whatever you need, affordable options for life or smart ideas for business, you can count on us. Because we're not just
0: bankers, we're your neighbors.
4: We can help you turn challenges into opportunities with practical solutions and guidance every
2: step of the way. Because that's what neighbors do. Great Southern Bank, member FDIC.
0: As you drive west of Nevada, you'll find a quaint town called Deerfield. It's real easy to locate. Look for Emory's Truck Stop on the south side of the road. It's the place where all the farmers eat and have great conversation. With daily lunch specials, breakfast served all day, steak night Friday and Saturday night after 4, they have a full menu and the convenience store has all your favorite grab-and-go items. Don't forget about the 24-hour gas is available. So come out to Emory's Truck Stop in Deerfield for great food. Call for takeout at 966-7272. That's 966-7272 to Emory's Truck Stop in Deerfield.
4: What do you get if you eat Christmas decorations? I have no idea, Grace. A bellyache? No, tinselitis. Talk about Christmas decorations. Have you seen 54 Feet and Seed lately? Oh yeah, that place is just decked out in holiday cheer. Come to 54 Feet and Seed and see how we have decked our halls. There are over 20 amazing trees and each one is beautifully decorated in lights, ribbon,
2: and an assortment of ornaments to suit every Christmas fashion. Back on
1: Tiger Talk tonight on this Wednesday night. I appreciate you joining us tonight as it's time to switch gears a little bit after wrapping up the Nevada Tiger football season. We're going to turn to Nevada Tiger swimming now as they remain as the lone remaining fall sport that is uh, still underway for Nevada Tiger athletics. And uh, to help us talk about that is head coach Clay Winter. And, uh, Clay, obviously a a big week for you all. with state championships coming up this week. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, before we actually specifically talk about uh, what's going to happen in St. Peter's uh, later on this week, let's go back to your regular season a little bit and uh, uh, just kind of in the simplest terms, I guess, how you felt the, the season went as a whole for your Tiger Swimmers.
4: Overall, I felt like it went very well. Um, we were kind of questioning some different things due to the loss of, you know, a, a big chunk of our team, um, especially the loss of, of six seniors, Um all of whom were big contributors to our, um, you know, team success through the years. Um, but I felt like that the boys that we've had stick around, um, the, the eight guys have really worked hard. They were persistent and, you know, they, they did good things in the pool and they kind of rose to the challenge that they, they knew we were shorthanded this year. Um, you know, we got third at our, conference meet um which was only four teams but it was a close third place um and you know it was it was a number uh a thing about numbers you know had we had more swimmers we probably would have done better um i've always thought that the, the swimmers that i get are on average we're maybe a little bit better than most teams but we just don't have the numbers but i felt like we did very well um had some successes, you know, didn't didn't get any of those top finishing places, but you know, I still felt like we had successes, a lot of best times for a lot of our swimmers this year and um obviously qualifying two relays to state and getting two individuals some races at state is a big success. So
1: and a lot of obviously everybody was dealing with uh, all the COVID-19 protocols this fall and uh, from the summer into the fall did you, do you feel like you're you you were able to handle that okay? Did you have any real difficulties uh, in swimming with uh, with COVID nineteen and the protocols this fall?
4: No, not really. Um, the biggest protocol we had as far as swim and stuff was we were required to have masks on. The swimmers weren't in the pool. Um, that that was really the only you know real uh, you know the real big protocol that we had. Of course, we were doing temperature checks like. You know everybody else and checking for symptoms and all that, but for the most part, it was keeping our mask on, keeping ourselves safe and healthy, um, and we've had very few issues with that.
1: You obviously have a high-profile swimmer and senior Ben Hines, uh, who's committed to Alabama. We talked about him on the last on your last appearance. What, for those who didn't catch that, what, what's been his focus in his final campaign as an abated tiger swimmer as he gets ready to move on to the next level?
4: His 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 main focus is just what it's been all the years that he's been a swimmer with me, and it's just to do the best he can um, at whatever level he's at. Um, you know, he's he's going to swim at state in a couple races, and he's the uh, defending champion in one of them, and one of them he's not swam at state. Um, but his his plan is just to go out there swim as hard as he can, do the best he can. And, you know, Ben is, ben is the biggest critic of himself than anybody else. Um, he'll come out. He could go out there and set a record and come out of the pool and look at me and go, well, I messed this up, I messed this up. And, you know, he's, he's very focused on what he's doing. He has his ambitions and his goals. And his goal is usually just to go out there and do the best he can every race.
1: As you said, uh, let's go ahead and move into the state competition and we'll talk about the events that you're going to be competing in, and let's kind of move uh, and stay with Ben since we started there. Uh, he's going to be competing in the the 50-yard freestyle and the 100-yard butterfly this season. Uh, the one event yes. he did not compete in last year, it was the 100-yard butterfly after setting uh, uh, state records in the 50 and 100. Why has he chosen the, the 100-yard butterfly this season?
4: It's a, the butterfly is a stroke. He really enjoys swimming, um, and... He's, he's wanted to do it in the past, but just because of um, how the events line up and how they've been set up, um, he's never really wanted the 50 and the 100 butterfly are very close together, um, but he was confident this year that he's going to be able to go out there and uh, put good times up, despite how close they are in time, um, as far as Spacing between each other. Um, And, you know, it's one that he's always wanted to do. He's obviously very talented at the butterfly as much as he is the other strokes. Um, So it's just, it's been kind of his ambition to go out there and uh, see how he does in the Hunter Fly.
1: And he currently is the record holder both in Class 1 and overall uh, in state championships in the 50 yard freestyle. Does he have a side setting on trying to lower that mark even more?
4: He does. He's not sure how much he'll be able to. Um, right now, he's at a uh, his time is a twenty point zero seven, um, which is incredibly fast. Um, but he says he told me this morning that his plan is to see if he can lower it even more. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Let's move on to uh, some of the other wrestlers, talk, or not wrestlers, but swimmers, rather. Uh, uh, individually, uh, you've got a freshman, and Cody Long has been competing in two individual events, a 200-individual medley and 100-yard breaststroke. Uh, obviously, for a freshman, obviously very talented. Uh, what has got him to this point where he's going to be in state competition, and then how do you see him doing this weekend?
4: You know, what's what's got Cody here is um, – kind of the same things that Ben has got Ben here. It's hard work it, it's getting in the pool putting in hard laps and just 100% commitment to what he's doing uh, and and Cody's got kind of a attitude of he's going to go in the pool and he's going to go 100% every race no matter what and I see him kind of find a different gear and be able to get out in front of guys that he was maybe right along with, and then beat them. So you know, Cody is just like Ben. He's he's very special to watch in the pool. Um, and you know, some some of the swimmers he walks when Cody walks onto the deck. You know he does he's does he's not a big presence, kind of like Ben is. Cody's kind of a shorter swimmer, but he makes up for it in just being fast and hard determination
1: so about the men of the red li, the relays, I should say now. Uh, the 200 medley and the 200 uh, yard freestyle you're going to compete in. Uh, you've got Cody and Ben on both of those, and then uh, and Trayton Rainey, and Carter and uh, Carter Evans, the same four swimmers on, on both relays. Uh, so uh, what are the strengths there, and and again, how do you think you'll fare with them?
4: You know, our strengths with those four, um, they are our most experienced swimmers. Um, Trayton and Carter have done you know, Neptune's stuff and stuff with the YMCA for years. So, you know, with those four in the pool, it's our four most experienced swimmers that we got. And so, um, and Trayton and Carter, they're kind of the same way. They just work hard and they go out and they do what they're supposed to do. Um, And, you know, it's just, like I said, it's sheer determination, sheer hard work that has got these boys there. And so I I have no doubt in my mind that when we show up on Saturday for the meet, they're going to give me what they've got. And they're going to give me everything they've got. And they're going to, you know, they might not be happy with the result as, as far as where they finish. But I can tell you, I I know these boys and I know how they swim. As a coach, I'm going to be happy with how they do, no matter how they place, because I know they're going to get in that pool and they're going to work as hard as they can.
1: For those who don't know, you'll be you'll be competing on Saturday. The Class Twos on Friday. This year, Class Ones on Saturday. For those who are not aware, how, how's the how does the day work? Uh, how's it formatted, and uh, what's the process uh, to uh, to hopefully get to the finals? But if not, uh, you end up in the consolation finals.
4: Well, they with the whole COVID um, situation, they have changed up the format of our state meet. It used to be a two-day meet. With prelims on one day, finals the next day, and you had to be top eight to be uh, championship finals, and top sixteen to even be in the finals whatsoever. What they've done this year is they have changed it to what is called a timed finals, which they're going to do three heats of every race, eight swimmer or eight entries into each race, and um, the top eight times. That are swam from those three heats will be the top eight finishers um, and the championship finishers for the state competition. Um, so it used to be like if you made the consolation final, um, it didn't matter what time you swam; you were the best you could do was ninth place. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know if you're in one of the slower relays, but you swim a time and you're the eighth best time, now you're on the podium the state. So and they've changed that just to get it down to a one day format um, trying to limit you know the contact between the swimmers trying to keep the risk of COVID or covid spreading down to the minimum they can um, that's the that's the biggest change for us is just the, that two day
0: format
4: and as far as the overall for the swimmers the, the biggest thing that they're you know upset you know kind of upset about is that they're not allowing spectators, so it doesn't create the same atmosphere. You know, they're not getting in the pool as swimming, and the crowds are cheering the whole time. Um, so, in that aspect, it's going to be different. But I still, with, with our swimmers, I don't doubt hard work. I don't doubt determination. Um, it is going to be different, but I think we'll be okay.
1: Well, with that revised format, do you think that puts a little more pressure on the on the top swimmers because uh, they they can't coast through uh, through a heat and then and then go uh, guns blazing in the final? Uh, they have to be ready to go from when they jump in the pool.
4: Absolutely, um, and that was something Ben and I talked about today. And you know, not I don't worry about Ben and his performance, but you know, it is one of those um, things that's in the back of his head that you know what happens if someone just has a really good race you know, and that person might be someone who drops a couple seconds in their time just because they've come out, they're ready to go, and they have a great race, and they knock some people out that they wouldn't have normally knocked out. Um, that is a worry. Um, but, you know, that's just where we've got to keep our focus, make sure the swimmers, they're doing what they need to do when they get in the pool. Um like I said, that's that's not something I'm worried about as a coach because these boys have shown me that they're joke around and stuff, but when it comes down to time, they they're fun and they run races, so. so. I think it's one we're going to have to worry about ourselves. Yep. Well,
1: sounds like our phone connection is getting a little bit worse here, Clay. So I'm going to let you go and, uh, we'll finish off by saying we'll, we'll wish you the best of luck and, uh,